We're going to be in Acts chapter 2, focusing on Pentecost Sunday here, and we're taking a break from our series on the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, I think it's a good time actually to take a, a little, a quick break from our series because where we're going to be going in the next few weeks, the, the content is pretty heavy that Jesus teaches us in the Sermon on the Mount. And we need every anointing of the Holy Spirit to live out what Jesus calls us to and challenges us to and invites us to. And so uh, today is Pentecost Sunday. As Pastor Pete mentioned, there's typically three uh, major uh, celebrations, three major feasts, if you will, in the life of the church. It's Christmas, it's Easter, and it is Pentecost. And in the Old Testament, Pentecost was known as the Feast of Weeks, which was a prominent feast uh, in Israel, which celebrated the giving of the law. Uh, But when uh, the New Testament talks about Pentecost, it commemorates not the giving of the law, but the giving of the Holy Spirit. 50 days after uh, the resurrection of Jesus. And so Pentecost literally means 50, uh, 50 days after the resurrection. And my hope is that you would have a a clear understanding today that God wants to pour out his life on you and that he wants to fill you with his life and with his love. And when you think about the the, the Holy Spirit, the church typically has um, many folks in the church mixed feelings and understandings of the Holy Spirit. And there are typically three kinds of approaches that people have or three types of perspectives that people have on the Holy Spirit. Either the church has forgotten the Spirit, the church is frightened of the Spirit, or the church likes to force the Spirit down people's throats. And uh, in each case, maybe around this congregation today, maybe uh, you fall into one of those categories. We've either forgotten the spirit. There's a guy named Stephen Alford who said that if the sin of the Old Testament was rejecting God and the sin of the New Testament was rejecting Jesus, then the sin in our times is the rejection of the Holy Spirit. And so we've often forgotten the Holy Spirit. Oh, we're frightened of the Spirit. That is, some of you, you've had some bad experiences in churches and you've seen some weird things and you're like, I'm cool with the Father and I'm cool with the Son, but I don't know about this Holy Spirit because I've seen some crazy things. And so some of you might be frightened of the Spirit. Or some of you might have, um, have grown up in a culture where you feel like you have to force the Spirit. That, and, and we have people that say, if you don't experience the Spirit in this way or in the way that I do, you're not doing it right. But what we want to have is the pro- appropriate focus of the Spirit, which is about f- forming Jesus in our lives. And so you notice that on the cross, we have a red cloth on it because red is the liturgical color of the Holy Spirit. Red is the color of fire symbolizing the presence of God. And just as Moses saw the burning bush as a symbol of God's presence, we have red on the cross as a symbol of God's presence with us. And so we're going to be in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And this passage really is a picture not just of what happened 2,000 years ago, but it's actually a good summary of what we are about at New Life Fellowship and what we are called to be. And so I'm going to unpack this passage, not just to focus on what happened 2,000 years ago, but to remind us that as a local church here in Elmhurst, Queens, New York City, this is what we're called to be as well. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse number 1. Hear the word of the Lord. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues 
as the Spirit enabled them. Let's pray together. Spirit of the living God, would you fall fresh in this place? Would you open our eyes that we would see Jesus better? Open our ears that we would hear God's word proclaimed clearly. Lord, open our hearts by the power of your Spirit so that we would receive every gift you have for us this day. We pray this in the name of Jesus and everyone said... Amen. I've had over 21 years of experience driving a car, and I think I'm a pretty good driver. I'm really good at parallel parking. I get in the tightest of spaces. When I'm driving on the LIE or the Cross Island, I'm able to anticipate a move and go into the left lane or the right lane to accelerate. I've only hit one person in my life as I was driving. (laughs) She was okay. (laughs) Maybe I got in a couple of accidents over the years, but I digress. In the 21 years of driving, one of the things I have not done is really learn how cars operate. I know how to turn it on. I know how to put gas in the car. But in terms of the inner workings of the vehicle, I really don't have much knowledge. But I've learned a few things along the way because I've had to take my car to many mechanics along the way. And one of the things I've learned about is this little object called the spark plug. Without spark plugs, our cars won't start. It is the spark plug that ignites the engine and gets the car moving. And most of the mechanics that I've spoken to over the 21 years have said that if the car doesn't start, the first thing you check is the spark plugs, because all the car needs is a little bit of spark, and it'll take off. And as I thought about spark plugs this week, as I was getting my car looked at again, I thought about Pentecost Sunday. I thought about the Holy Spirit, because like spark plugs, the only thing that can get our lives going is the spark of the Spirit. And just like the mechanics have said, if your life is not moving, if your life is stuck, If you are stalled today, the first thing we need to take a look at is our experience with the spark of the Holy Spirit. And so Pentecost offers us this annual opportunity to examine our experience with the Spirit. And one thing is for sure, the Holy Spirit has been poured out, and as a result, we are to live differently in the world. Pentecost Sunday is important because you cannot live the gospel without Pentecost Sunday. You can't understand the gospel without Pentecost Sunday. In this respect, the gospel is Trinitarian good news. It's good news about the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The gospel is not just restricted to the death and resurrection of Jesus. It includes the return of God's presence in the coming of the Holy Spirit. And this is what we see in our text in Acts chapter 2. When we pick up in Acts chapter 2... The disciples are waiting for the gift of the Holy Spirit that was promised by Jesus. And this was very confusing for the disciples because they had a hard time understanding what Jesus was doing. And we see over and over again in the scriptures that the disciples always were confused about Jesus. 
And yet Jesus says, I want you guys to wait for me in this room. It's a small room. All of you wait, and my father is going to send a gift to you. Very confusing for them. And it was confusing because they they always had this this experience with Jesus of his presence and his absence. And Jesus would always always be present with them, and then Jesus would be absent with them. And it would would confuse them over the years. In the coming of Jesus, in the incarnation of God, Jesus calls his disciples to himself. He's present with his disciples. Surely he would go away for times in prayer, and they would have to search for him because he would be absent, and then he would come back to them and be present again. But when Jesus dies on Good Friday, he's absent from them again. They're wondering, we are alone, we have no one to turn to, but three days later, he's present with them again. And so they had this back and forth. Jesus is present, and then he's absent. He's present, and then he is absent. He resurrects from the dead. He's with them for 40 days. He teaches them about life in the kingdom of God. He, he teaches them about what it means to be his follower in this new age. He serves them breakfast. He makes them meals. He is with them. And they thought, Jesus is with us again. He's always going to be with us. But after the 40th day or so, Jesus leaves them again. He pulls a fast one on them, and he ascends to heaven, the ascension of Jesus. And so they're very confused about this. They wonder, Jesus, I thought you were going to be with us for the rest of our lives, but Jesus leaves. And it seems like he is abandoning them, but in all actuality, he is preparing them for a new expression of his presence. And so Pentecost Sunday really is about demonstrating Jesus' absence, paving the way for a new dimension of his presence. And Pentecost Sunday reminds us of the presence of Jesus in the Holy Spirit. And so we have in our passage today the coming of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the very presence of Jesus among us. The Holy Spirit is not some ambiguous force. The Holy Spirit is not just some thing. The Holy Spirit is the very presence of Jesus among us. When we gather together as the people of God, the very presence of Jesus is with us, dwelling inside of us. And after 50 days, after his resurrection, the Holy Spirit is poured out. Out, God choosing to dwell with his people. And after the Holy Spirit is poured out, the one who stands up to explain this unique phenomenon is the Apostle Peter. And I love that it's Peter. I love that it's Peter because just a few days prior to this moment, it was Peter who failed Jesus. It was Peter who abandoned Jesus. It was Peter who denied Jesus. Just a few days prior to all of this, Peter abandoned him. He denied him. And yet we see that when the Holy Spirit comes, the first person to speak with power and authority is Peter. And I love that it's Peter because God has a way of taking people who have failed And taking people who have messed up with their lives and used them with great power. And aren't you happy that God doesn't just end with our failures? Aren't you glad that God doesn't hold our mistakes against us? Aren't you glad that God doesn't see our failures and cut us off? It is God who uses Peter who had just denied him, just forsaken him, just abandoned him. And it is this same Peter who God uses with great power and authority. And what we see in this passage is that the Holy Spirit is not a reward for good behavior or a reward for unwavering faith. The Holy Spirit is a gift from God for those who would simply turn to Jesus and wait on him. 
The gift is not a reward that we earn. It is a gift that is given. And it's, the gift is given by us simply turning to Jesus and waiting on him. The apostle Peter goes from denying him to powerfully demonstrating the power of Jesus. And this is how the story went. The Bible says that as they are waiting, as Jesus told them to do, the Bible gives us an important word in verse 2. In verse 2, it says, suddenly, suddenly. I like that word, suddenly. In a moment, when they were least expecting it, in a snap of a finger, suddenly, the wind of the spirits began to blow. In a moment. Don't you know that God could change your life in a moment? God could set you free in a moment. God could fill you in a moment. At New Life, we believe that you need a life of formation, that it is the slow process of spiritual formation, uh, prayer every day, Sabbath every week, scripture, community, that it's a slow process of spiritual formation that God changes us over the course of our lives. And we need to be about the slow work of God through spiritual formation. But we also need a kind of suddenly faith. Suddenly, God heals. Suddenly, the wind blows. Suddenly, God can change your marriage. Suddenly, God can heal your body. Suddenly, God can deliver you from your addictions. And so while we need a formation faith, we need a suddenly faith. An expectation that God can do in a moment what would take you years to accomplish in your own power. Suddenly. It says, suddenly... The spirit begins to move, and as the spirit falls, the church starts speaking in many different languages, and the people of these nations around begin to hear God's praises declared in their own language. And the story goes like this. The spirit of God falls, and the people hear their own language, and they begin to say, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? And some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. And then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. And I love that line. It's almost like Peter is saying, it's too early to be drinking. If this happened at 5 p.m., you might have something to say here, but it's too early to be drinking. He says, no, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. The scandal of this event was that all of these people were prophesying. And this is scandalous because in the scriptures in the Old Testament, only particular people would prophesy. Only people uniquely called by God, uniquely anointed by God, would speak God's word, speak God's truth out. But in this case, it's not just the prophet, it's not just the king, it's ordinary people who the Holy Spirit has been poured out on, who are declaring the truth of God. 
And this is scandalous, and we need to be reminded of this today because sadly, we often don't live according to this promise that God wants to pour out his spirit on all flesh. We often think there's two sections in the church, those who are anointed and called by God and those who are not anointed and not called by God. But if you belong to Jesus, you are anointed, brothers and sisters. If you belong to him, there's no second-class citizens for those who belong to Jesus. If you belong to Jesus, you are anointed by God. You are called with God. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you, and the Holy Spirit wants to speak through you. And so for the vast majority of Christians, we have a two-tiered kind of spirituality. And yet on Pentecost Sunday, we see that God pours out his spirit on all flesh. He says, in those days, I will pour out my spirit on all people. And he begins to talk about the different kinds of people, to let us know when God says all, God means all. He says, I will pour out my spirit on sons and daughters. And what we're talking about here is the God who breaks down gender barriers. Back in the day, it was typically just men who were used by God. It was typically and overwhelmingly men who were prophets. Typically and overwhelmingly men who were kings and used by God for the miraculous. But Peter says, the prophet Joel says, when the Holy Spirit comes, the Holy Spirit is not just for men, it's for sons and daughters. And aren't you glad that God poured out his spirit on women too? I'm glad that throughout the centuries of the church, it's often been women who have held this, the church together. It is a, it's a woman who first visits Jesus at the tomb. And it's a woman who's first sent out by Jesus to preach. Mary is the apostle to the apostles. And aren't you glad that God pours out his spirit on sons and daughters? That women don't need a, a, a special kind of paper to, procl to proclaim the truth of God. You don't have, if you're a woman, you don't have to go to seminary to be approved by God. That God's spirit, sons and daughters, brothers and sisters. I'm trying. I'm trying to preach this thing. I'm trying. The spirit of God breaks down barriers. And as a church, we want to be a church that bridges racial, cultural, economic, and gender barriers. We see the story doesn't stop here. Peter says, on that day, the Holy Spirit will come and the spirit will be poured out on sons and daughters. Then it says the spirit will be poured out on young men and old men. He's talking about bridging generational gaps. Amen. So it's not just gender gaps now. It is generational gaps. He says young men will see visions. And I love that. That it's young people that God wants to pour out his spirit on. That you might need to be 17 and 18 years old to get a driver's license, but you don't have to wait till you're 17 and 18 years old to be used by God. That God could use young children, that God could use middle schoolers, that God could use high schoolers with great power and authority. It is David, the teenager, who kills a Goliath. It is Timothy, a young pastor who God uses over and over again. God uses young people to pour out his spirit and do the work of the kingdom of God. This is why I love at New Life, we want to create environments for preschoolers and environments for elementary students and environments for middle schoolers and environments for high schoolers to receive this power of God so that God can use them, not when they're 20 and 30 and 40 and 50, right where they're at right now. God wants to use them. 
sons and daughters, young men and old men. Young men will see visions. Yesterday we had a retreat for middle schoolers, an alpha retreat. And Pastor Matt texted me and said that these middle schoolers were hungry for God, that they wanted more of God. And I was so encouraged by that on this Pentecost Sunday weekend, that God says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, on young people. But it doesn't stop there. He says, and old men will dream dreams. And I love that as well. Because the Holy Spirit is not just for young people. The Holy Spirit is not just for middle-aged people. The Holy Spirit is for all, the Holy Spirit is, is, is for the seasoned people too. The experienced people too. And so you might have retired from your job, but you never retire from the kingdom of God. That God can use you at any point in your life. And we see this over and over again. What we see in our culture is a manifestation, not just of racism, of classism. What we see in our culture often is an ageism as well. Amen. That people say in our culture, once you get to a particular age, ah, we can't use you anymore. Ah, you're not good for the job. Maybe we need someone younger for the job. Your days are over. Your glory is over. And we need some other people here. And so folks are discriminated against by how old they are. But aren't you glad that God in the scriptures uses young men and old men? Amen. When God wanted to deliver 2 million people from Pharaoh's hand in Egypt, he said, I need an 80-year-old. I need someone. Moses, I need you. How old? 80 years old. You know what? I need someone who is 80 years old to deliver 2 million people from the hand of Pharaoh in Egypt. Because there's, because there's a unique anointing that 80-year-olds have that 40-year-olds don't. There's a particular anointing that 70-year-olds and 6-year-olds have that 20-year-olds just don't. And we want to be a church that says, I don't care how old you are, how young you are, God wants to use you with great power. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is for all flesh, on young men and old men, on young women and old women. The Holy Spirit is for all people. It doesn't stop there. He says, on sons and daughters, he says, on young men and old men, young men will see visions, old men will dream dreams. That God is not done with you yet. That God has more dreams for you to live. That God has visions he wants to pour out on you. That God is not done with you yet. But it doesn't stop there. Sons and daughters, young men and old men. And then he says this word, even on my servants. He's now talking about socioeconomic barriers. That the Spirit is not just for the middle class. The Holy Spirit is not for the upwardly mobile. The Holy Spirit is uniquely poured out on the margins of society, those who are poor, those who have no resources. It is often these people who God uniquely anoints. It is often the people who have no kind of power in society. It is often the people who don't have education. It is often the people who, who are trying to figure out their way in a society that God uniquely empowers and uniquely calls. He says, not just on my sons and daughters, not just on young men and old men, but on my servants too. This passage is filled with so much grace. And so listen, the Holy Spirit is poured out not because you've lived a good and moral life. The Holy Spirit is poured out because Jesus is good. And has forgiven you. 
The Holy Spirit is poured out. The Holy Spirit is not a reward that we earn. The Holy Spirit is a gift that God gives us. And when the Spirit is poured out, it is, it is, it is recognized by dreams and visions and prophesying. Now, we are all called, called to, to bring forth God's life and word for a unique time and unique place you find yourselves in. That Pentecost Sunday is about the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit empowering you and releasing you for new dreams and visions and to proclaim God's life and God's word in this unique time and space that you find yourselves in. And so the Holy Spirit is being poured out. But the problem with humanity throughout the centuries is although the Spirit's rain is being poured out, we don't want to get wet. Every single day the Spirit is being poured out and we don't want to get wet. Yesterday I was at church and it was raining afterwards and I left my umbrella. I said, oh no, had a new pair of sneakers on too. Oh man. And you know what it's like. You just did your hair. You got your hair not done. You got your hair did. You know, it's just, it's just and, 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 and then it's raining outside. It's like, oh, the rain is going to mess up my life. And it makes sense for us to dodge the rain and try to do all we can to avoid getting rained on. But it doesn't make sense to do that with the Spirit. Amen. Because God wants to pour out his life on us. And it, 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 it means that we have to position ourselves to receive it, which is why I love what Marjorie Thompson said. She said, the only thing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ is our own unwillingness to receive the gift. God relentlessly pours out his life through the, through the Holy Spirit. And the only thing that can separate us from this love is our own unwillingness to receive the gift. And so how do you access this power? How do you access what was found here in Acts chapter 2? It's, it's actually very simple. It's let yourself get wet. Amen. Open yourself to the power of God in your life. It's not enough to be saved. God wants to saturate your life over and over with his life. One of my favorite movies is The Shawshank Redemption. And this movie came out in 1994, and it's the story of a man who was falsely accused of killing his wife. He's thrown into prison, and after many years, he escapes. And for those of you who haven't seen the movie, I'm just going to spoil it for you. Um, <laughs> you had 24 years to watch this movie. Um, <laughs> There's just, certain, there's just a cutoff point. At a, certain, at a certain point, listen, while we're at it, Darth Vader is Luke's father. Um, Bruce Willis, he was dead the whole time, the whole movie. He was dead. He was dead the whole time. Let me save you a, a couple of hours. He was dead the whole time. And so this is a cutoff point. You just got to, I'm sorry. And so in the Shawshank Redemption, this man falsely accused of killing his wife. He's in prison for a number of years. And throughout the course of his time at the prison, he begins to create a hole to get himself out. And little by little, he chips away with the little instrument that he had. And after years of just 
creating a, a tunnel, if you will, to get out. He finally gets out. And what I love about this image is when he gets out of the prison, it's pouring outside. And he stumbles to his feet. And he takes off his prison shirts symbolically saying he's no longer a prisoner. And then in this beautiful scene, while the rain is pouring down, he simply just stops to take it all in. And it's one of my favorite images, and one of my favorite images of the spiritual life, that this is a picture of Pentecost Sunday. This is the picture of one who positions oneself to receive the life of God. Listen, it's not enough just to be forgiven. It's not enough just to be set free in that respect. He needed something to wash over him. He needed to be refreshed, needed to be restored. He needed to be made new. And so Tim Robbins in this movie just opens his hands up to receive this outpouring of rain over his life. And I thought, what a wonderful picture of Christian spirituality. That this is what we do essentially when we're praying. When when we go to God in prayer and when we sit down, we're essentially saying, Lord, would you wash over me? We're not here just to do a religious duty. We're not just here to offer a couple of words. We need the life of God to refresh us. And every time you go to prayer, I want you to hold this image in your head. Lord, would you wash over me? Lord, wash off my resentment. Lord, wash off my depression. Lord, wash off my anger. Lord, wash off the raka that comes out of my life. Lord, wash off the things that held me captive. Refresh me, renew me, restore me, resurrect me. This is what we're doing when we're praying, brothers and sisters. We're opening ourselves to the life of the Holy Spirit. When you read scriptures, we're not just reading the Bible to get a couple of verses here and there. We need the the, the word of God to wash us, to cleanse us of the lies that we believed about ourselves, to cleanse us of the lies that we believed, believed about other people, to cleanse us of the lies that we have believed about God. We need the truth of God to wash over us. Why do we gather together as a community every Sunday to worship together? Because we need the reign of the Holy Spirit to wash over us. We need God's life and power to fill us. Why do we take communion? Why do we go to small groups? Why do we learn in different equipping experiences and equipping classes? We need all the help that we can get so that God's life can flow over us. And so the invitation, very simply, of the spiritual life, it is this. It is opening ourselves up to the life of God's Spirit. It's waiting on the Lord. And I love, back to Peter, that it is Peter and these disciples who God chooses to pour his life on. Because Pentecost Sunday is not just about the empowerment of the Spirit. Pentecost Sunday reminds us of of the mercy of God, the grace of God, the forgiveness of God. That it is this God who pours out his grace on people who just a few weeks earlier abandoned and denied and failed him. And aren't you glad that God doesn't see your failure and your mistakes and your sins and cuts you off? But it is often in our failure and in our repentance of that failure and sin that God says, now you are a candidate for the Holy Spirit to be poured out on your life. And when our position is very simply, Lord, please pour out your spirit. Lord, I'm nothing without you. Lord, I can't accomplish anything without you. God says, now you become a candidate for the life of God flowing in you and flowing through you. Let's pray together.
I wonder today, maybe you feel dry today in your life. Maybe you feel stuck. Maybe you feel like you don't have any power to keep going. You consider the troubles at home and you don't have the endurance to keep going. Consider the financial obstacles and the tensions at work and you wonder, I don't know if I have the strength to keep going. Consider your own failures and your own mistakes and you wonder, can God still use me? And the answer on Pentecost Sunday is overwhelmingly yes. All God asks us to do is to turn to Jesus and to wait for him. Lord Jesus, Lord, we thank you for your love, which is better than life. And Lord, we ask that you would pour out your spirit on us and in us and through us that we may be the people you've called us to be. Lord, you see our failures, our mistakes, our sins. And Lord, you simply ask us to turn back to you to receive the new beginnings that you have for us. And so, Lord, we do that again. We come back to you and turn to you again. And Lord, we ask that you would generally pour out your spirit, that we would would experience new dimensions of your love, new dimensions of your grace, new dimensions of your power. And we pray these things in Jesus' name and everyone said, let's all stand, let's sing together. Your glory. 
I want to invite our prayer team to come to my right. We'll have our Lord's table. The Lord's table is well open to us for those who want to receive that. And remember, when the Holy Spirit came, it was a sudden movement of God. My hope is that this week that you would be open to the sudden movements of God. That often you can't anticipate when God is going to do something. You can't anticipate when God is going to provide for you, when God will heal, when God will open up a door for you. But all you can do is is wait with expectation. And that's what the disciples did. The disciples said, I'm going to listen to Jesus. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to wait. And every time we pray, we're waiting. Every time we read scripture, we're waiting. When we gather together in community, we're waiting. And when we wait, it is in those moments where God suddenly does something to break chains off of us. And so my hope is that this week that we would together as a community and individually we would learn how to wait on the Lord for manifestations of his power and of his grace. Our prayer team is here and listen, maybe you came in here today and you can't see an end to some of your problems. You can't see an end to some of the obstacles they're coming your way. And one of the ways that we wait on the Lord is by receiving prayer. When you receive prayer, you're essentially positioning yourself for God's spirit to be poured out on you and to liberate and to set free. And so that might be one simple step for you just to come to receive prayer. Come take the bread and the cup and be reminded of the extent to which Jesus went to pour out his spirit. He dies for us. He resurrects for us. He sends his spirit. When we take the bread and the cup, we are reminded of the love of God that never leaves us and never forsakes us. 
And so whether you come forth for the bread and the cup or whether you come forth to receive ministry and prayer, would you wait on the Lord and allow him to suddenly surprise you with his grace? Let me invite you to open your hands towards heaven to receive a blessing. With your hands in your hearts in a posture of receiving brothers and sisters and sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and may he keep you and make his face to shine upon you and fill you with peace. And may you walk out of this building in the power of the Holy Spirit, bearing witness to the truth that Jesus is alive. May God fill you with his life and fill you with his joy fill you with his love and fill you with his peace and may you give expression to that life and that love and that joy and that peace to all you encounter this week i bless you all today on this pentecost sunday in the strong and the beautiful in the risen name of jesus and the people of god said amen grace and peace to you all